Ladies and gentlemen, we made it. It's did, over. Did we? Is it? It's you, never. You don't have to watch any more live Pistons basketball for another, what, five months? Six months? Five is the preseason, right? You have no August idea. is Summer League? When is Summer League? That's what matters. <laughs> hey, Summer League Pistons are actually like fun to watch. They're good. I don't include them with the regular show. I, ca- I cannot wait for the like 18 minutes that Cade plays just to show up and play before they sit him. It's going to be great. Yep. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a primer later in the uh, offseason here about who's actually going to be playing in the Pistons Summer League. But yeah, hopefully not a whole lot of Cade or Killian. Well, maybe some Killian. Uh, hopefully a whole not... A whole lot of Sadiq. I can. Talk. Yeah, I, Sadiq I can is not going to play. I can't. I can't imagine Sadiq playing. All right. So for anyone who doesn't know, I am Chris, aka Not the Fake Webby. This is Jake, aka Halbertius, aka Hal. I just felt like jumping in and getting that uh, off the top. Yeah, they know. <laughs> it's good <laughs> to know. see the season be done. Yeah. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump into the off season. Hey, man, you always with the forced transitions. I'm not putting transition music in here. We're just going to talk right through it. Oh, see, he wants to take a drink. I see it. I see. He's being slick. He thinks I'm going to cut it so that he can take a sip. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> no, I think you're going to keep talking so that I have the time to take I'm a gonna sip. I'm going to talk so my talk. Perfectly. You're right. <laughs> Absolutely. I never have to worry about Jake talking. He's always uh, pretty set on that. So, Capable right. of carrying a high usage rate. That's what this is. <laughs> That's par for the course. You are definitely the key to this kind of, of this podcast. <laughs> All right. All right. So first, we got to start off with how we finished. So the Pistons finished in third place in the loser rankings. Uh, we finished a game behind the Magic, three behind the Rockets, who got the number one seed in the lottery. Uh, but crucially, finished um, a game ahead of the Thunder, as well as two ahead of the Pacers. Yeah. So they cut that ever so fucking close. Real close. That last boy, game, that... when when it took Tyrese Maxey going supernova to like cement it, uh, had me nervous. I will admit yeah. it. I was I was antsy. So uh, third is not as good as they should have had, frankly. Like they didn't tank hard enough. This was a very mm-hmm. achievable first because uh, the other teams also suck at tanking. OKC yeah. somehow sucks worse at tanking than Detroit, which is shocking. But OKC uh, just makes no sense. Presti, you know, is just banging his head against the wall. Like, what do I have to do to lose? <laughs> yeah, it, I don't understand that team at all. Uh, they put out embarrassing lineups, like, every night, and still somehow managed to finish with a game more than the Pistons. It's baffling. I don't know if that's props to Presti or what. No. <laughs> they managed is, to still not. win, despite having awful talent. It's really not. I don't know if it's a, a commentary on the West being like easy I can't even I don't I tell you I don't even know who their coach is who's the coach of the Thunder right now isn't uh uh Dagnalt is that right I not a clue I literally saw the Thunder play this year I don't know who their coach is I literally saw the Thunder play yeah it's it's uh Mark Dagnalt yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh yeah I remember him now I remember his face he looks younger than you expect yes much much younger (laughs) Looking than you expect. All right. Uh, you want to get through the rest of the news here? Yep. Real quick. Uh, we have signed Carson Edwards to a heavy quotation marks two-year deal. Um, <laughs> when I first saw that, I was like, what the hell are we doing? Why have we done this? Um, but looking at the actual contract itself, 
Um, he signed for the rest of the year with a team option for next year that I'm sure was just like, a, if he blows up, we have him on an extra year deal. That's, uh, that's a priority summer league signing deal. That's what that is. Exactly. I, I would not, unless he just like grows three inches and puts on like 10 pounds of straight muscle, I don't expect him to be on the team next year. Yeah. And even then, probably not. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll get to Carson later, I guess. Um, yep. And then next one. the next one. Yep. So the other uh, move the Pistons did was to sign Braxton Key to a two-year, two-way deal, uh, which I believe goes through the end of this year and next year. Um, but in the process, uh, waived Chris Smith, who was on a two, two-way deal prior. I believe also a two-year, two-way deal. Um, who was on that deal prior to tearing his ACL with the Cruz um, at the end of March. So that is yeah. the end of Chris Smith on the Pistons for now. Yeah, that hurts. Yep. And this is yet another priority summer league deal for the Pistons. <laughs> That's yep. really all this is. Uh, key. Got to go for that summer uh, league we'll, we'll talk about key later. We'll, we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause we'll, uh, it, I don't, did you mention that this is just the wrap up pod? We're going to talk about every player. So we'll get yep. we'll get to them later. And now a smooth transition into our quick uh, injury roundup. Um, All these people so, are fine, by the way. Yep. <laughs> We're going to start off by saying we don't expect anyone to miss any games next year. Um, a lot of this is more just we're tanking and Jeremy get some rest. Like, Kojo, you don't need to play tonight. O- um, only one of these is not in air quotes. <laughs> yep. And it shouldn't, and the one that is not in air quotes that we're talking about here in a minute, shouldn't be, do you think it should be any, alright, well first of all, the person we're talking about is Hami Diallo, yeah. who has a left index finger avulsion fracture. Right. Uh, he's been, he's been he's out since fine. the beginning of March, but they had there shouldn't exit, be any he, long term. They had exit interviews today, and he said he's like already like back to playing a little bit, so he's fine. Yep. Yep, so, I don't, nothing really long term with that. Uh, next up on the, like, sort of been out for a while, but is it really an injury um, list is Jeremy Grant, who's been out with a left calf strain since the 25th. Yeah. I, I don't I'm expect to be an actual injury. I'm 98% sure that that was Tank. So. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they went up to Jeremy and were like, hey, something hurts. I and need you like, to grab your what? leg for me. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like pick pick a part of your body that's now now hurt. So. One that's critical. <laughs> yep. <laughs> An important part. Uh, <laughs> You've got a lot so of like another your ass, injury. Just... <laughs> As we continue on here, uh, Marvin Bagley. Uh, all I could see was hip. Hip. Don't. Now that don't was know that what's was, wrong with uh, this hip. That was uh, Joel Embiid running through him and knocking him to the ground, and he wa- yeah. and he went out with like a hip contusion. And they're probably milking it for the tank. Um, yeah. You'd, you'd have to do quite a bit of damage for a hip contusion to be worth two weeks of time. So, yeah, hip. That's just like Corey Joseph out with spine. I, okay. Uh, Cade Cunningham out with hip injury. Hip. Another one where he got knocked to the ground and they're like, you don't have to play. Don't worry about it. I, uh, I can't put enough quotation marks on that one. Yeah. And then lastly, I put on this list that I don't know if it's an actual injury, but just Kelly didn't play in the last game. <laughs> I haven't seen a real reason. Yeah, I <laughs> so, don't know. I don't know if he dressed. I don't know. I didn't watch the game, but I just love Kelly. Just, yeah, you don't need to play. Yeah. Yeah. 
right, get your around the leagues done. This Who cares? Yeah. It's the NBA playoffs. You, you know what's going on. You know who's playing. You know it's going to be the Nets and the Cavs and the, what, Pelicans and the Timberwolves or whatever the hell. Pelicans? Is that right? I don't know. I just guessed that. Oh, is this playing stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, playing. I yeah. haven't paid any attention, really. Like, it's whatever the national podcast telling me. I'm like, hmm, that sounds interesting. Uh, I would like to be done with basketball for a little while. <laughs> the fun news is the Lakers aren't in the playoffs. Everyone rejoice. Yeah, who was right about that this uh, summer? Who got ridiculed for saying, this team sucks ass? This guy. Who was right? This guy. Who is a partial Wizards fan who's very happy that he now has who Kyle told, Kuzma? You, you were one of the people who said that yeah. I was wrong. And so this is I, I told I, you so. I thought that Russ would be able to carry the Lakers when uh, Davis and LeBron route, and that was not the case at all. Was the but I do want to say, I do want to say, it's not fucking Frank Vogel's fault. And no, if he's actually getting fired, and oh, he fired. I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point if Casey that boy, sticks that around. That boy fired. <laughs> if 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 Casey is let go, which I don't expect him to be, but we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. I want to be first in line to get Frank Vogel because he is a damn good coach, and he has proven it over and over. He's, he's in not Indiana my favorite, as well as but like, what? It's just, the Lakers are just such an embarrassment. Like, Polinka is just the worst GM you can possibly yeah. have. He's an embarrassment. It's laughable beyond all measure. <laughs> like, the worst possible team assembled. Uh, hired a, a good coach and then like didn't support him at all. Every, everything I don't is really trust bad. that he even hired the coach to be honest I think he was just that was the coach that was just there yeah I don't uh, think there was a there I, was anything I, to yeah the Lakers deserve every bit of bad luck and I'm enjoying seeing the national media kind of go over that and highlight how awful that offseason was it's the great that they, that they still get 100% of the attention but it's just now all negative attention this is what you yeah. get for being assholes all the time you know who's happiest about Ceaselessly. Lakers doing bad the Knicks. <laughs> oh, because they're Cause taking a... attention away. I was going to say you're wrong. Exactly. It's the Celtics fans. Nice try. Well, yes, they're the they're the fan base is the most happy there. But I'm saying in terms of the team, it's oh, probably yeah, the Knicks yeah, yeah. for taking the attention off them. Yes, absolutely. That is that is correct. All right, <laughs> I've, let's, I've seen like no Knicks talk about that. But let's get to the main. Yeah, I don't even remember if the Knicks are playing. Uh, let's get to the main section though. Uh, a roundup of every person on the team. Roundup. That's still gonna be like pseudo under contract. We're gonna skip all the guys that were traded, all the well, guys that people are not under. came in. <laughs> one guy on the list. Uh, so we're just gonna try and do like your big takeaway, uh, and and kind of the biggest thing you want to see for next year. So you want to start? Uh, I've ordered the list by minutes mm-hmm. played. I feel like it's it's the nice way to like reward someone like <laughs> our first guy, Sadiq Bay. For playing 82 games and 2,700 minutes, and uh, that's uh, 700 minutes more than the next guy in the list. So yep. uh, the 82 games was shocking to me. I didn't realize that he had played in every single game. Yeah, and I believe he did so last year. I think. Uh, no, he played. Oh, well, I, I think the then, I think right? the only so games 72? he missed were like games he missed for DNPs. I don't think he yeah. had an injury miss. I can't oh. think of an injury per se now, but it looks like he missed the first game Ooh, of the year. There was as a well Lakers game a on the nineteenth that he missed, so there might have been one. I don't know, maybe COVID stuff. I don't. The, the, or the nineteenth <laughs> game he missed the Lakers game, and the first game he didn't play. 
Uh, beyond yep. that, he played every game. So yeah, he's on quite the streak. All right. And he cares about so, it. I appreciate that. Do you want to? What's you got a bunch of stats here? What do we want to? What do we want to talk about? All right. So I guess, I guess let's let's go in and just say he's he's got one year guaranteed left, uh, and then another year of team options to go. Uh, that's still his rookie contract. Uh, let's do the baseline stats here. Sixteen point one points per game, five point four rebounds a game, two point eight assists per game, uh, 0.9 steals, point two blocks, one point two turnovers. 45% from two-point range, because we are not heathens. We don't use field goal percent. It's stupid. Uh, 45% <laughs> from two-point range, 35% from three-point range, 83% from the free-throw line. What was your biggest takeaway from this season? So my biggest takeaway with Sadiq, who had a, he had a little bit of an up-and-down year. I think we talked about it already at length. But I would say the biggest takeaway that I got from Sadiq is that he has improved his scoring year over year, while also not... Not going down in percentage, but if you look at it a little bit farther than that, the the only percentage that's really gone down for him has been three point shooting percentage. He was at thirty eight last year. He's at thirty four point six this year. Uh, but at the same time, his two point percentage has stayed the same despite what I think like three more attempts per game. Yeah. So that tells me that he's getting to the spots that he wants to in getting buckets, and he's raising his points per game by four over last year, without you know. Be, being as efficient from three. So if we get that tick up in three-point scoring in addition to the other scoring avenues that he's found this year, that shows you how good of a player that he can potentially be going forward. And especially with someone like Cade feeding in the ball, I have no doubt that he's going to keep improving uh, shooting the basketball year over year because like, I feel like a lot of these guys are going to be relation to Cade and... Like, <laughs> you kind of can't go without it. If Cade is going to be a center, like a cornerstone for this team moving forward, I think Sadiq has shown that he can play, especially with Cade, but not only that, but also with someone like a Jeremy, with, you know, like a Marvin Bagley, with other people wanting the ball. He's shown right. that he can play effectively, and he's still, he's doubled his assists per game. Like, he can facilitate the ball a little bit too. He's not, he's not someone who's just going to be all about scoring, so... I've liked a lot of what I've seen from Sadiq. I think he's he hasn't taken a full step forward, but when a, in a spot where a lot of people kind of have a rookie or a sophomore slump, he has been pretty steadfast. And despite having, you know, he had his off nights, he had his rough games, but as a whole, I think it was pretty impressive this year. And I still the value that we got for him, um, like the 15th or 16th pick, has been unreal. And props to Troy for identifying that and going out and getting someone who long term can be a starter on this team. Yeah, that was my big takeaway was he can be a third option. Mm. I re I wasn't really sure he was going to be more than, you know, like a fifth option on a good team. You know, was he a guy that you ran plays through or a guy you ran plays to? Um, and I, I thought for the most part he was going to be a guy you run plays to, and I think he's shown uh, he can be a guy you run plays through. Uh, the assists have definitely ticked up, but just the decision-making, the... the um, you know, not reacting, not getting too hurried on the ball. Uh, I think kind of uh, connected to this is I is he was uh, his his change in usage over the year was a, a big takeaway for me from a Dwayne Casey perspective. I thought Casey started doing a lot more things to get him involved. Um, a lot of those like horn sets where they did lots of little twists to get uh, Sadiq going um, around the elbows. 
Uh, I thought that was a big step for them. So yeah, it was just like, this guy can be your fourth option for sure. He might be, even be able to be a third option uh, going forward. Uh, that was, was quite a big thing for me. Um, what's the thing you want to see uh, next year? Uh, I mean, that's a good question because I feel like we've seen a lot of what I wanted to see coming into this year. Um, I would say going into next year, I want to see him be a little more aggressively on the defensive side of the ball. That's exactly I think that's a spot where he has, he, he's got the talent, he's got the, the body, the skill set um, that you expect to be a pretty good defender. And I don't feel like he, he hasn't been a bad defender. He hasn't been a negative by any stretch of the imagination, but he's been pretty pretty even on that, I'd say. Pretty average defender. And I know we talked about in the past that we think he has the ability to improve on the defensive end of the floor. And especially with the potential like talents we can bring in in this offseason in the draft, as well as in free agency. I'd like to see him improve a little bit more on the defensive side of the floor. Yeah, he, he fights a lot defensively, right? He's, he gets really handsy and really physical, and I think he's kind of lucky at this point in his career that he doesn't get called for more fouls. <laughs> um, to one of the one of the guys on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, but he uh, it was during one of the, the All-Star weekend games where uh, Sadiq locked up uh, Jalen Green, if you remember, and he's like, watch – uh, there was going to be five fouls in the next like four seconds, and there was, because uh, <laughs> that's just like how he defends. And so, can he get better with his feet defensively? Can he, you know, impact uh, wing defense? Because right now he's pretty good right in like defending switches. Right, that's where he really shows shows up. Is you've got this big bodied guy who can handle the fours. Um, you know, isn't going to get posted up by your bigger wings easily. But, like, what, what can he do to avoid foul trouble in some of those situations? And what can he do when he's defending faster players? Can he get his feet uh, moving a little better? That's that's definitely what I'd like to see. Because I think offensively, um, you know, every minute step he takes offensively is going to have dividends. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to change who he is as a player or, you know, what you trust him to do the way that a big step up defensively will. All right, who's next on our list? I mean, who else is going to be next but Cade Cunningham? <laughs> well, you say that. Him. You say that. Like, again, I ordered this list by minutes. All right? I know. So so let's go. Cade, 64 games played, 2,088 minutes, right? So like we said, um, almost 700 minutes. Not quite 700. Over 600 minutes less than Sadiq. But think about that. Cade missed, uh, what is that? Uh 14, 16 games, something like that. You know, he missed quite a bit of time. And he's your second overall minutes played. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's kind of a, an interesting thing to me that shows how rocky this season was. You know, a lot of people are talking about the, the Rookie of the Year debate. I think we've talked it to death here. But, like, do people <laughs> realize how shit this team is? Because when they, when they put it all together to end the season, they had a, a few runs people think oh this team's fine it's doing great like no (laughs) this team was playing (laughs) garbage uh no offense but garbage for like a lot of minutes this year um we'll do the stats quick 17.4 points five and a half rebounds five and a half assists 1.2 steals 0.7 blocks uh, 3.7 turnovers and then 47 percent from two point range 31 from three 85 at the line so what was your biggest takeaway from this season? I mean, come on. He's the real deal. <laughs> we got the first overall pick. It Not only did we get it right, 
if you ask me. But we knocked it out of the park and got one of the best first overall picks in a while. Cade Cunningham is the fucking man. And he's going to be the man for a long time. He is 20 years old and putting up 17-5-5 with two stocks a game. He is all around offense, scoring, assisting, rebounds, defense, getting the steals and the blocks. He can do it all. And he's 20 years old. He's There's not many people that can ever live up to Luka Doncic, but he is near that conversation already as a rookie. And all that matters now is just building the team around him. So, Troy, you got... <laughs> You got the centerpiece. You got you got the gemstone that you build everything around. We are there. Which is shocking to see that we managed to pull it off. Because there's been a lot of first overall picks that haven't hit. And then there's there's been a lot of other high draft picks that don't work out. The Pistons won the lottery and nailed it and got the just, I I I've got a Cade Cunningham jersey on right now. I my smiling from ear to ear. <laughs> Cade is going to be why you watch the Pistons for the next 15 years. I confess I'm wearing an Ainsley Maitland Niles jersey and he does not play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> You're going for um, a different sport. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, my my takeaway was like, not only is he like that dude, but like the two-point scoring was the thing that just like really popped. Like this, the, the yeah. concern you heard was, oh, he's not an athlete. He's not an athlete. How does he pressure the yeah. rim? Like, uh, he's, he's doing just fine. Uh, just just in case anybody's wondering, um, Cade Cunningham self-generated 75% of his uh, field goal attempts within eight feet, and he self-generated more attempts within eight feet of the rim than Scotty Barnes did all year. Uh, not not Scotty Barnes self-generated, than Scotty Barnes took, period, flat out. Uh, and, like, that that craft, like, there's going to be some stuff this summer where uh, I think the biggest thing for me that I want to see is I want to see some finishing improvements from him um, and just yeah. a few, like, decision-making tweaks around the rim. Um, I think there's just a few little fundamental tweaks he can he can use that will draw a few more fouls and just kind of really help him out. Um, but, like, the, the three-point shooting, right, 31%, I think we saw that, like, he came into the year, it wasn't working for him. I think he just stopped forcing it after a while, and it'll probably be a thing that coming out of the summer, I think we're going to see a bump, you know, up to like the 36% mark, um, mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's the finishing around the rim and the ability to get to the rim that just really popped. It's the thing I think that I would like to see pop even harder next year. I'd love for him to have, um, <clears throat> you know, right now he's shooting, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, 47% from two-point range. If he can get that to like fifty three percent next year, like everything changes for him. Uh, you know, he goes like that. That takes him into like superstar range uh, right away, mm-hmm. just by being able to pressure the rim and finish like that while still having um, the playmaking. And I think if we if he does that, we'll see that three point seven turnover mark. We'll see that drop quite a bit when he starts drawing fouls instead of getting strips and all that kind of stuff. Because yep. that's that's basically where those turnovers are coming from. It's not really. You know, it, there, there, there are some bad passes in there. Um, you know, you're going to get that with any primary. But, like, probably 1.7 of those 3.7 turn, turnovers, probably, like, half are, you know, fouls he's not drawing. You know, some of it being craft, some of it being 
the people behind the whistles, but mm-hmm. all right. What did you want to see from next year? What was your thing? Can we get some fucking foul calls yeah. from my man? God yeah, okay. damn. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> like <laughs> I was waiting for opportunity because that's been the most frustrating <laughs> thing is he's getting fucking harassed at the rim and like he's, he's doing everything to get there. He's just not getting the call and we harped on it. And I feel like we need to, we need to put it to bed. We need to bury it at a certain point. This <laughs> complaining about the calls because it better be better next year. I That's keep, all I'm going to uh, say on that. I keep reminding myself that for this purpose, I need to do a better job of like tagging my clips on Twitter so that I can go back and like Google Cade smacked in face and like find the like 12 <laughs> clips I tweeted this year. But instead my clips just say, God damn it all the time. And it's, it's, it's bad, uh, bad labeling system for me. I'm sorry. I will not do better in the future. Uh, <laughs> no, you will not. You want you want to read off our next guy here? Sure. So the next guy on our list is Isaiah Stewart. Uh, he finished with 71 games played, 1816 minutes, which is third most on the team. Uh, his stats here: 8.3 points per game, 8.7 rebounds per game, 1.2 assists per game. And then 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks, uh, 1.2 turnovers, and then 53, 33, 72 shooting splits. Tell me a little bit about Beef Stew. So I think the the one thing that really popped late, right, was that the shooting form, um, I don't know how many of these latest games you caught, I think um, like mm-hmm. it's it stood out that like there was a noticeable improvement that he's clearly made. Um, and yeah. I, I, we got to talk about that because we didn't do uh, kind of an end of the season podcast during that that doldrum, and we skipped a week. But uh, you know, clearly they 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 laid that shot to rest for a while and let him you know work on it in privacy in the gym, and like uh, we we're seeing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, ri- I mean, the he... rhythm is much cleaner. I think he shot like eight of his last thirteen to finish the year. Um, yeah, it looks something like that. Yeah. You know, that, that wasn't really the, the big takeaway I wanted to use, but, like, that's it's really important when you're trying to figure out where the heck he fits into the future uh, that he can hit those shots. Um, what, was, what was your big takeaway? So, yeah, so I think you touched on one of the big things, which was, uh, you know, his ability to, towards the end of the year in these last, like, ten games or so um, to actually shoot from range. And not only that, but giving being given the green light to shoot from that far as well because, like, a little bit, like, that's on the coaching staff as well uh, to, you know, give them that opportunity uh, to shoot from that deep. I think he finished 11 for 18 in the last seven games is what I pulled, 60%, which is Kobe. decent <laughs> sample size. That's not that's not bad. Uh, it's, <laughs> so, a, it's a minuscule sample size, but the fact that the samples all looked very consistent is very important. Yeah, I mean, it's a small sample size in the grand scheme of things, but it's more than just a like, one or two game it, if like, he aberration. Shoots, if he shoots that percentage... Uh, if he uh, shoots no, 60%? No, sorry. <laughs> if, he, if he shoots with that form next year and it looks like that, like, he may only shoot 37%, but, like, I'm going to have a lot of confidence in that percentage. Like, even mm-hmm. if he shoots 34%, but it looks like that. It's not going to be like this year where you're just like wincing and like, ooh, shut it down for the rest of the season. Like that won't happen as long as that continues into next year. Yeah. But one of the other things I thought Stu did really good this year that he, we talked about last year how well he did with it, but it's carried over to this year and improved, which is the offensive rebounding. Uh, he finished this year, I think, 
seventh um, in the league in offense rebounding per game. Uh, just behind, like, Gobert, Capella, like, Michael, yeah, Mitchell Robinson, Steven Adams. Like, behind some good players, but that's really about it. He's averaging 3.2 per game. And as you talk about, like, in these last couple of games, he's been kind of stretched out to the three a little bit. That hasn't exactly hurt him on the offensive rebounding front. I'm seeing games with six, five, even four rebounds, offensive rebounds in the game. So he's still finding a way to get to the rim and kind of beating that difference maker on the glass. That's something I don't feel like, right now it's not the popular thing. I know we talked about it before, but like offensive rebounding is very much a kind of forgotten art. And if it's the only thing you can do, like, you know, Andre Drummond offensively, then yeah, it's not really that important. But the fact that he can, you know, go out to the three-point line, shoot it at a pretty good percentage if he keeps this up, do so much in the pick-and-roll game and still manage to get these offensive rebounds, that to me shows a well-rounded player who, while he does have a kind of a cap ceiling, and <laughs> that's obviously something we're going to talk about later this offseason about what we think long-term was too, but he's still showing that he's someone who can get on the court and be a difference maker in a lot of different facets of the game, especially offensively. Yeah, I want to say the other thing that really popped and that I was going to use for this until uh, until the three-point shooting came around Um you know, we talked about all the switching and, you know, how much I don't like it as a base defense. But Stu absolutely proved that, like, he's in the upper, like, 80th percentile of switching bigs. Like, that's a legit mm-hmm. skill he has. Uh, you know, they, they showed a, a high volume of those reps. Um, you know, and frankly, I think that he... Uh, I think he showed, like, the, the tape is even better than it should be. Like, I think a lot of guys frankly looked at him and were like, oh, hell no, I am not putting my body on the line, you know, and going into this guy and creating contact and, like, all the things that you would normally do to punish a switching big. I think, like, Trey Young is looking at him like, I could take that, but, like, I don't want those bruises. I'm going to take this pull-up instead because it's the regular season. (laughs) So, like, it'll be interesting to see what happens when guys feel like they need to push him. Uh, But that said... Uh, I think he's in like the 80th percentile plus. Like he is a legitimate guy that you can you can build a switching scheme around if you feel the need, and be pretty comfortable with that. And um, you know, I we thought like coming out of last year that that was a thing he could try, but I don't think either one of us saw, you know, this volume of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like he he was doing like Bam Adebayo switches uh, across the entire roster at times, and that that's just not supposed to be something you do. Certainly not at 270 pounds or whatever Stu weighs in at right now. Yeah. <laughs> so next year, what do you want to see? Um, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit. Uh, definitely the three-point shooting. I think it, I think the biggest thing for Stu is making sure to see that continue on into next year. And make it that this is not just you know an end-of-season aberration that Casey gave him the green light and he hit a couple shots. And he's going to start off next year in a slump and we don't see it again. So that to me is... Like, I, I hate to go back to something we've already used once, but I think that's going to be the most important thing in Stu's development to make sure that he can kind of different, differentiate himself from maybe the other options that we'll have on the team. Uh, so having that ability to kind of step out and shoot with everything else he brings to the floor, uh, to me, is kind of the biggest thing. And it means that, you know, he can play next to a Marvin Bagley, who's going to be at the rim. He can play next to, you know, whatever center we draft that's maybe a little bit more rim-bound. So just that added versatility that he can bring to the floor if he can keep that going long-term, is huge offensively. Yeah. I think for me, it's uh, not something we can measure as easily, but I would really like to see him get some craft as a roller and as a short roller. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think he's actually been pretty bad uh, as a short roller, despite, I think, seeing some passes well. Uh, I think he, like, gets too deep on his rolls or he sits too far back on some of his rolls. Um, you know, he's been caught in two minds about whether he wants to be a popping big or a rolling big at times. And I think if we can see him just kind of find that space more naturally, um, I think the passing will show through a little bit more. And uh, I think that'll be another big elevation for his game. So if he can if he can show a little bit more short roll craft, uh, 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 nows for lack <laughs> of a better word, I think that'll be important. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going on to the next one. It's my guy. Yep. It's Killian Hayes. Uh, one more year guaranteed on the contract. One more year option, just like Stu and, and Sadiq. Uh, mm-hmm. Played 66 games, 1,647 minutes. Uh, again, that's what? Fourth on the team in minutes, despite like everything. That's insane. Yep. Having having would, like multiple concussions, of uh, the thumb injury. Like, do you remember the thumb injury? That was a thing. <laughs> it, it feels so long ago, but that was a thing. Uh, probably should I, not have played as many minutes with that thing. But like, I, I did not expect him to be fourth on this list. <laughs> right, like this is the perspective you have to remember. That's fourth. Uh, so, uh, I'd love to see it. Yeah, six point nine points, three point two rebounds, four point two assists. Uh, 1.2 steals, 1.5, or sorry, 0.5 blocks, not 1.5 blocks. 1.5 blocks would be a little insane. We'd be talking about that a lot more. Uh, 1.7 <laughs> turnovers, which by the way, 4.2 assists to 1.7 turnovers is That's like damn good. Really good for what he's doing. Uh, 45, 26, 77 splits. Again, 45 is two point percentage. Um, we got to talk about the Thunder game. I know it was against another tanking team. But he just, like, absolutely nuked the Thunder. Uh, Two of nine from three was not good. Uh, (laughs) But 12 of 25 from the floor overall, that's, what, 10 of 16 from two in that game? Really positive. 26, 7, and 8 on the night for him. Uh, Five steals, two blocks, only three turnovers, played 40 minutes. Uh, Again, yeah, it was against a G League team, but I think that's the takeaway. Laz Jackson, I think, put it really, put it best. Like, for all the people that say, like, Killian Hayes would suck in the G League, suck it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, and I think that's the takeaway, right? Is like, we've seen him, like, he's clearly better than Saban Lee. We'll get to Saban later. But, like, he's clearly better than Saban Lee. Saban Lee just got second in G League MVP. So if you're like, ah, Killian isn't, you know, isn't worthy of a pick or isn't worthy of the roster spot, like... We've clearly shown he's here. He's ready for like this. There's a there's a clear utility for him here. Um, you know, more than anything, I think clarifying that has been the big takeaway for the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be someone who's going to be on the team. You know, for the rest of this deal, right? There's no question about that. There should have been a question about that before that. Uh, but not only that, he's he's proven that he has the ability to kind of step it up. And the thing that I uh, saw that was the biggest thing from him this year was uh, his ability to score at the rim. I feel like that was something that came in with a bit of a question mark, um, you know, coming into the draft, was his ability to kind of get to the rim and finish. And while I don't think he's still quite fully figured out how to get to the rim, I feel like there's a lot of times where he just, you know, ends for like floaters falling out of bounds. I just have some 
like pictures in my head of him just like flying all the way to the side and it goes sure. off the side of the backboard and goes out of bounds. But when he does like get to the rim, he's shooting a damn good percentage there. I just pulled the stats. At the rim this year, he shot uh, 56 for 75, which is 75% at the rim. Which, it's something where, it, like, it, thinking back, it didn't really feel like it. But when you actually see the numbers and look at the shot chart, it's like he was getting there, especially on the left side, and finishing and scoring and getting buckets. Right. So I think that shows that, like, he's got what it takes to succeed in the league. He's, like, some of the concerns that we saw going in, he's starting to get kind of under his belt and get used to. He's still, as we said, barely over 2,000 minutes uh, total on his career in the NBA. So the more time he gets, especially for these next two years, is going to be huge for his development moving forward. I'm not out on Cade. Killian. You're not out on Killian. You're definitely not out on Cade. (laughs) Cade's in my mind, okay? I I clicked over and Cade was at the top of the list. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Killian is one of those guys where, like, everyone told me he wasn't athletic. And I was like... (laughs) Like guys, that's a red flag. I, I, like, he's not like uh, like Anthony Edwards athletic, right? But like, he's six five. Mm-hmm. He's probably like two fifteen now. Like, he's in the like ninetieth percentile for for guard sizes, and yeah. like he can dunk through some contact if he needs to. This is not mm-hmm. about athleticism, and like when he gets going, when he actually like gets his shin angle right and like drives. He's got some pop. Like this is ne- this has never been about a lack of athleticism or lack of burst. It's all about confidence and you know the the fundamentals and structure of his game and how much he can refine. Uh, you know, it, like the first few times he dunked this season, everyone was like, "Oh my god!" It's like, "Yeah, yeah, I told you, I told y'all, I told you." Uh, you know, I I think coming out of this year, you know, I think a lot of people will be like, "Oh, he needs to shoot better. He needs to shoot better." And like that's obvious. I think the thing that I would really like to see from him is to is to continue building on that rim pressure. Like I would yep. not mind. God damn it, you're still um, my thing. <laughs> like if he comes out and shoots like thirty seven percent from three, and also the the seventy seven split from uh, from the line, weird weird drop in the season coming out of that thumb injury. Need to get that back up. But like if he comes out shooting well, that's great. It it helps his fit with Cade. Yada yada yada. But, like, I would mm-hmm. not mind another season of him kind of being more of a pseudo-bench guy if it means that he's, like, Markel Fultzing his way to the rim, right? If he, like, just shows that kind of, uh, like, even without a shot, I can do this uh, kind of thing, and then we build the shot later, that's also fine with me. I, and I really want to see, you know, the, the kind of rim pressure he was putting on these last couple weeks. Let's see that all season next year, you know, with... Uh, you know, improved finishing against teams that aren't tanking. If we can get that, that'd be great. Yep. And to kind of build off of that, like I said earlier in this, he shot 75% on 75 attempts at the rim. Well, he shot uh, <laughs> 34.5% on 116 attempts from 3 to 10 feet. So I think the biggest thing for Killian over this offseason is moving that, you know, 5 foot away from the basket shot to at the rim. Getting closer and making it easier for him it's going to make a hell of a difference because he's shown he's got the creativity to finish at the rim. It's just a matter of getting through there. And a lot of it is well, the Pistons aren't a good basketball team. There's a lot of pressure on, you know, players like Killian to score. So There's uh, also a lot of fundamentals. Like Killian, if you're listening, yeah. first of all, hi. Second of all, uh, <laughs> land in the same place you took off from 
when you shoot a floater. Please and thank you. We'll just you get that and you'll you'll go up to like forty five percent from floater range. It'll be fine. Yep. Yeah, and a lot of that it touches just it's more time. Killian is young. He's still what? T- still twenty years old or is he nineteen? I forget. Okay. He's still Can he super drink young. Yet? I, don't I know think he. So. I know no he couldn't he drink for for There's a long portion no of the season. No way he can drink. Um, Unless he goes I like. Think, I think he is twenty one now, but like it's like. There's nope. No nope. He is twenty in two hundred fifty eight days. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as a whole, like he's he's young. So he'll Keep... he might be in summer league still under twenty one. They might make <laughs> him go to Vegas without being able to drink still. <laughs> uh, poor Killian. <laughs> Yeah, when is summer league is what? Early July. Yeah, he won't be twenty one. I have his birthday pulled up right now. <laughs> so that being said, he's still super fucking young. We got a long way to go before Killian is a finished product in the NBA. Just have some damn patience and let him like fix these fundamentals. Let him learn the game, especially in the NBA level. It's something that we've said since literally he's been drafted. That's all I got to say on that. Let the man cook. He's giving me the go-ahead, which means we're jumping up next to our favorite, I mean, Dwayne Casey's favorite, Corey Joseph, who is currently on, somehow, a one-year fucking player option. <laughs> this is going to drive me insane. He's getting paid $5 million because of that weird, like, we waived him, or didn't wait. I don't know what the hell we did last offseason with Kojo's contract, but it drives me insane. He's getting paid basically the exact same for this year, because we waived, like, the three... He had an option... That took us like thirteen or whatever down. Well, it to like was non guaranteed. He was paid, I think, like two mil, and then yeah. there was ten mil left on it. And I believe we waived him before the ten mil kicked in, and right. then gave him two years for five. Yeah, it was a to, partial. It was a partial guarantee, so he got paid like three from last year, and and he was going to get yeah. like eight. So he th- he, he, he took like a the tiny same pay money, bump over two years, but made the same amount. Yeah, yeah, uh, but it. <sighs> Yeah. Just just wave the guy, please. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone else is signing Kojo on essentially a two-year 10-mil deal. 10-mil deal. They love like, it wasn't him. happening. They love him. That's in the past. Um, Kojo finished the year with 65 games in 1,600 minutes on the motherfucking dot. Precision. He, <laughs> <laughs> the counting stats, he put up 8 points, 2.7 assists, 3.6... Wait, no, all the way around. 2.7 boards, 3.6 assists. <laughs> I am always rebounds See, and always assists go third. Always. That's how box scores are written. See, I am the same way as well. <laughs> the fact that you said earlier you switched around switched around in my brain. I didn't have his actual stats pulled up. What do you mean up. I switched it around? You, you said at the top that you put it like the correct way. And I'm... Oh. In my yeah. head, I'm like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. But I was doing it right. <laughs> um... Anyways, he finished with, uh, let's see, 0.6 steals, 0.3 blocks, which, in other words, is not much. Nope. Uh, 1.3 turnovers, and 47, 41, 89 shooting across the board. The fakest three-point shooting season possible. <laughs> like, 41%, he must be a great three-point shooter. Wait, he didn't take any off the dribble? He just took, like, an extremely low volume of super high open looks? Oh, oh, okay. Like, just, like, there were a lot of people that, like, he should start because he's the three-point shooter. And it's like, uh, uh, no. Nope. N- no. <laughs> he takes 2.4 a game. 2.4. For, like, 
people who could shoot 35% in like 1990 shot more three-pointers per game than he did. Like that's really bad. Uh, yep. Extremely fake. Uh, Killian Hayes attempted more three-pointers per game and Killian Hayes was actively turning down wide open three-pointers. Like that's embarrassing. Uh, I think, I think the takeaway is just like, we can do better. Yep. <laughs> like Kojo was not bad. He took a lot of flack for being bad. He wasn't bad, but just like, so obviously you can do better. And yep. I think so obviously it would be helpful to do better. Yep. I, I don't really have a whole lot to talk about with Kojo. He wasn't bad, but like he wasn't someone that the Pistons needed for anything other than tanking. And I would say he did a pretty good job tanking. But he was definitely like this in in Kojo's point of his career, he's not like trying to like develop his game a whole lot nope like he's just looking to help on this team the young guys learn how to be an nba player and hope that he can get <laughs> shipped off to a good team and have a chance to make a difference in the playoffs good thing we've got rodney mcgruder for that uh, <laughs> yeah uh, the, what rodney's would I like younger than i thought he was though yes he is <laughs> i was sh- it's, it's, or, no, it's, he's it's, been in the league for less than i thought he had six years and he's like 28 is it six yeah, yeah it's six Something like that. But, like, yeah. what do I want to see from Kojo? I want to see someone else. <laughs> and, like, yeah, I, exactly. I really would like that backup point guard. Or if it's, like, if they end up going with a Jalen Brunson or something in free agency, whatever. But, like, I want that guard to, like, offer me something lineup-wise. Like, Kojo is, is like, the definition of filler, right? Like, he just does stuff at the guard position. You know, he hits enough shots that you're not angry uh, he, you know, passes things, but like he doesn't do anything. He's not a good defender. He's not an abysmal defender, but he's certainly not a good one. Like, give me somebody who like locks things down. Give me somebody that shoots. Give me somebody that does something with like a little bit of dynamism and like helps define a lineup instead of just blurring in. Because I'm mm-hmm. really tired of guys that just blur in. We don't have enough people that define lineups. Uh, Getting a backup with a little bit of athletic juice so they can run with, you know, Frank and Hami would be really nice if those two are on the team next year. Um, you know, just not Kojo. I'm just I'm just tired of Kojo. Uh, I'm guessing he gets brought back on that option, but that's a very tradable, like, $5 million a year or something like that. So uh, I think there's a lot of flexibility I mean, for him going it's forward. It's tradable, but who's trying to trade for Kojo? I think if you're, like, a contender who just, like, needs a third guard who doesn't fucking suck... Like Kojo but, can do uh, that. Like, the thing is, like, I just don't see that happening. Until, think about, think about like, like the Lakers. <laughs> like, yeah, they need like, more than Kojo. <laughs> they need more than Kojo, but like, good God, we desperately need something. Here's a guy who can hit forty percent on ca- open catch and shoots, and like has won a title. Like, has been on that yeah. kind of team. Like, I think there's some appeal there. He's definitely more beloved around the league, you know, with coaches than he is with fans. You know, we yeah. are we are definitely think, the the extreme lows uh, on him as far as opinion goes. Um, yeah, we can move and, on though. <laughs> yeah, he's got more in the tank, but I don't I don't need to see him on the Pistons too much. No. So Jeremy Grant, uh, fifteen hundred minutes, forty seven games, f- half a season for Jeremy Grant. Uh, mm-hmm. Just kind of sucks. <laughs> like good for the tank, uh, even though Jeremy Grant was terrible before the. Uh, uh, All star break, but uh, half a, half a season for, out of a guy you're playing twenty million sucks. Um, 
The 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 counting stats though. Uh, nineteen point two points per game, four point one rebounds per game, two point four assists per game, point nine steals, one block, one point eight turnovers, uh, forty seven from two, thirty six from three, and eighty four from the stripe. Webster, your primary takeaway from this season was that, and I'm not sure this is entirely a takeaway, but something <laughs> take, that I huh? liked that I liked from Jeremy in the later half of the year was it looked like he had the ability to play around Cade and Sadiq, which I think is the most important thing for anyone on the Pistons right now is how you play around those two guys plus whoever we get in the draft. Now, <laughs> once we, as we will talk about as we get closer to the draft, who the Pistons take could make Jeremy very expendable. But that being said, he looked like he will play around a Cade, a Sadiq, and not need the ball too much, not be the Jeremy Grant we saw the last couple of years where he had the ball in his hand and he was going to get his buckets. So, um, as a whole, like, I like Jeremy a lot as a basketball player. I want him to succeed. I don't know if the Pistons are the right team for him right now, and that's no disrespect to him or the Pistons. It's just they're kind of at different points in where they're at. Um... But if he's not on the Pistons next year and we get a good deal for him, I'm not going to be upset. If he is in the Pistons next year, I'm still not going to be that upset. Because he's still someone that we can move later in the year. He's on a one-year deal for $20 million. It's very movable. We have a good chance of getting assets back for him if we get down to that. And if the Pistons just nail this draft pick, and it's draft picks X, Cade, Sadiq, and Jeremy can be booed for someone else who's a difference maker, or even, you know be a, a crucial player on that team and they make a good run, then I'd be okay with that too. So I'm not as upset as you are with Jeremy Grant still being a Piston uh, going into this off season. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. My one big takeaway is just like, I don't think he's the, the answer. I, ju I just don't I think, think he's, he's, the answer, no. he's and like, there are teams where I do think like, like the Nuggets, ironically, are a team where it's just like, wow, Jeremy Grant just fits really good here. And, like, for what Detroit wants to be and is trying to be, I don't like him. <laughs> uh, you know, like, it's a it's a big concern that you have, uh, like, a smaller center core right now. And you might want Isaiah Stewart to be your starting center long term. Um, you know, you and I are both a little opposed to that, or at least we're not, we're not, uh, we don't Sold, see it quite, quite as, quite as yeah. much as some people. But, like, my power forward can't get, you know, uh, 4.1 rebounds per game. I, I can't survive with that. Uh, you know, he played a little better coming back uh, at the end of the season. 3.3 rebounds per game, right? Two assists per game. I can't give you the ball as much as he got the ball here <laughs> and and get two assists per game to one and a half turnovers. And that's that's his end of season when we all thought he played better stats, is, is two assists to one and a half turnovers. That's just not sustainable. Uh, you know, the... The points, like he racks up points. He's fairly efficient. That's that second stint, the uh, the twenty three games where he was uh, thirty seven or sorry, uh, thirty nine percent from three. I rounded the wrong way. Um, thirty nine percent from three, and you know eighty three percent from the line. Like okay, super efficient. If I have to give you these kind of touches that you took, I I can't do it. So like, he's not a bad player. He's probably not even overpaid. Uh, 
you know, I don't even think his next contract, if he gets what he's looking for, which is like $26 million a year, I don't think that extension will be overpaid. I'm just not interested in that as, you know, for the same reason that, like, Jabari Smith is a really great prospect that, like, is third on my board because I just don't think he adds what I need from that position right now. I just don't think Jeremy Grant's it. And I, I would like to see something else attempted. Um, other than... than the trade for him though what would you like out of jeremy grant as a like from a player development perspective going into next year i'm going to counter this by kicking a quick detour and i just got a text from my mom uh that the the going back to your WNBA news the connecticut sun selected nia cloud from msu who i saw play earlier this year she is a boss and i'm happy to see her getting picked in the first round I, uh, I I saw that the Aces selected somebody that Michigan played in the tournament and beat. Uh, go Blue. Um, but I, I, I have been only able to keep one half an eye on here because we love our fans and, and they uh, distract me. That's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, in terms of Jeremy Grant. Shout out to the WNBA, year, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really tough because I feel like there's a lot that I want to see from Jeremy next year. I want to see more of an effort put in, whether it be, you know... Nas Hillman went 15th. Shout out to Nas Hillman. There you go. <laughs> we got all of our Michigan, Michigan State picks out of the way. <laughs> all exactly. of us. Um, for me, I just want to see him be a better, I guess... The best way to put it is... And not to say that he's a bad teammate, but I want to see him be a better team basketball player. Uh, that is offensively, whether it's kind of, like I said, continuing to kind of defer to some of the other younger players... Whether it's attacking the glass a little bit more, which I, I do feel like he's kind of had his times where he's been good on it, but it's really not been anything too, um, all the way through. Like he's shown flashes of what he could do on that, but he's just not been concerned with it. Um, I want to see him get a little better defensively. Like <laughs> we saw an amazing defensive player on the Thunder and in Denver, and he really hasn't been that player in a while. So it's just a lot of those things that uh, will make the Pistons a better team, not necessarily. Jeremy to score more points or to do better offensively, but uh, just to be a more well-rounded player and someone who's not as concerned with kind of getting his points and getting his buckets and kind of getting his in his rhythm, uh, but helping the team as a whole. Yeah, I I want to see the defense get back to where it was in the Denver levels. That's that's my like if you're gonna be here, uh, I need that. I I thought he's fallen off in a big way there and. I, I need that to come back. We can move yep. on to the next guy here. Uh, Hamadou Diallo. Uh, has a one-year team option this offseason. Um, so not necessarily Which, uh, guaranteed we'll be to be up. back. I would think it would get picked up, but you, you never know. It depends on, like, I think there is a chance that, like, there's some free agent market or something that influences that. But we'll see. Um, For $5 million, I think you, you, I don't think the Pistons are signing anyone in the offseason that will... They'll keep them from resigning. Hobby. That's basically the difference between them having a max slot and them not. I think you so would see if, him if you traded some, away before. Oh, well, if you have someone like a DeAndre Ayton on the on the block, like that's you're not doing a sign and trade probably. <laughs> uh, I would pref- I would prefer to try and pay picks to get rid of Kojo. Not picks, not first round picks, but I would try and get rid of Kojo with some kind of non first round pick asset before I got rid of Sadiq. 
Or I'd try and you, trade. Before uh, you got rid of Tommy, Tommy god damn. You are all over, all over the place. You are untrustworthy just, right now. This is bad I am behavior. looking at the wrong line every single time. I would... Do I need to highlight it trade. in the Google Doc for you? This is a problem. No, I'm not. Well, the problem is I'm not in the Google Doc. I'm, I'm looking elsewhere. And Sadiq <laughs> was ahead of Hami and then behind Hami. Good lord. Um, All right. So 58 I, w- I would look to trade Hami before I do that. All right. Like 58 games, uh, 12,600, or 12,000, 1,269 minutes, uh, 11 points, 4.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Uh, 1.2 steals, 0.3 blocks, one turnover, uh, 55, 25, 65 splits. Again, 55 is just two-point field goal percentage. Um, your big takeaway was his tenacity on the year. Like he was an animal. I feel like defensively sometimes, and it was all over the place. And sure, he can get into trouble with that, but I feel like that's the spot where a coach like Dwayne Casey has gotten the enthusiasm out of him. Now it's just correcting on when he should and shouldn't like go crazy for it so uh for me i just like the energy that he showed and it was something that kind of concerned me i feel like uh you know last year especially when he was on the pistons and even before that was is like his energy levels and how much he really uh you know wanted to like put forth effort on the floor and i feel like he definitely resolved that this year and he beat out josh jackson i feel like um in terms of getting that roster spot definitely and getting get there. The minutes on the floor and I've been pretty impressed with Tommy as a player so far. Yeah, I'm lower on him than a lot of people are. Little things like that .3 blocks per game number is like shockingly low for a dude with his like supposed skill set and wingspan and all that stuff. Like, you didn't get any. <laughs> like .3 is is like nothing. Um, yeah. You know, .3 I, is he's never had more than this was his second highest uh, block total. Which I guess last year was his highest, uh, but still only 17. So, not great. Yeah, I, I, like, a lot of thoughts on Hami. I think the like, overarching one, though, is like, I'll see you next year and only next year. Like, I don't mind having fun with Hamadou for another year of, of kind of chaos as this team figure things out. I just, like, I still have no idea what he looks like when I'm trying to win games. Um I think we saw, like, yeah, he can scale up into a fun role as a as a sixth man, etc. Um, you know, and even as a temporary starter, right? When he was getting lots of touches, he was pretty productive. But, like, his, his efficiency didn't scale with it. And, you know, 25% from three-point line. 65% yep. from, the free, from the free throw line. I know he said today in his uh, uh, exit interview... Um, you know, he wanted to get better at the, at the stripe. And, like, that would help a little bit. But you just... I don't know what he is when I'm trying to win. Because I don't trust him defensively. I don't think he can make strides defensively in a single year to really change that. So, like, I'm here for the show for another year, and then I think I'm out. And uh, I hope that, like, whatever he does this offseason changes my mind. I just... I don't know what it is, to be honest with you. I mean, for me, Hami is ceiling as his best self is going to be an energy guy off the bench like he's going to be at best like a seventh eighth maybe a sixth man uh so i i think there's but definitely like, a lot of pistons fans who'd see him next to like a cade and think that he can start and i'm like that's not you're looking at it the wrong way so, if you think he but should you, be a starter you say on that team. but like okay what what am i doing i'm a good team not just like a team that wins four that makes 40 wins 
like a team that wants to get 50 wins and wants to contend, right? Hamadou's earning a second, another deal after next year, you know, getting three years and eight million a year or something. What am I paying him for? Well, I can't trust him to uh, defensively, not yet, right? Not yet. I can't trust him. You know, if, if he's going to be a sixth man, I can trust him to take some offensive load. I can't trust him to play make, right? I can't trust him to to create. So, like, I can't bring him on the floor uh, for defensive moments. I can't bring him on the floor to create. So you're really now, like, an eighth, maybe a ninth man, just a slasher off the catch. And, like, he's really fun in that role. He's not the best in that role. And so I just, that's where I'm like, I don't know that I'm going to be, that I want to be the GM that pays him the contract to be the eighth man that isn't really contributing all that much to winning. I mean, he's just an innings eater as much fun as it is. I mean, we'll see. I think the biggest thing that's, that Hami needs to work on, I almost did it again. Uh, the biggest thing that Hami needs to work on uh, this offseason is the shooting piece. Like, when he was in the Pistons last year, he shot 39% uh, from three. And while I don't expect him to get back to that number, you got to shoot a lot better than 25% to, see, to like be a difference maker. Uh, so I think that's going to be the biggest struggle, is if he can have a consistent shot and bring what he brings, you know, in the slash role, in, you know, being a chaos defensively. Like, if he can equal that out with some, like, solid shooting numbers, then he could be the player that I want him to be. But... It is a big if, and it's something that's not just going to be a this offseason thing. It's going to be moving forward. He needs to take steps in the right direction. But uh, if she shoots you know, 25% or around there next year, then I don't think you want to bring him back. But if he gets back to, say, like 32 33% and is manageable and making strides, then he's an interesting like bench piece or can be traded to a team that needs an interesting bench piece for the money they design. You gonna use any more esh, esh noises there? He sh, he sh, she's gonna be. <laughs> there was a lot of she's coming out of you when you were supposed to be saying he's because you're using all those those long sh noises. <laughs> you you had me like look up from my Twitter feed here multiple times like she she she. I'm <laughs> <laughs> gonna pay uh, attention for once. We we gotta move on here to Frank Jackson. Uh, Fifty three games played, uh, eleven sixty four for the minutes. Uh, 10.6 points, 1.6 rebound, 1 assist, uh, half a steal, 0.2 blocks, 0.7 turnovers, 53-31, 83-splits. Go. Shoot better. <laughs> you can't shoot 31% deep when you're the shooting guy. <laughs> Come on, Frank. <laughs> that's, that's that's all you got? That, I mean, obviously I missed the good section of this, but I think he, you know, he had a bit more volume this year. He didn't have the best year shooting anywhere on the floor, uh, but he was actually doing pretty good uh, from two-point range with that increased volume, but you, you gotta make your shots. You gotta make the threes. That's what you're here for, Frank. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously a year with a lot of injuries for him, right? A year where he spent yeah. a lot of time coming back from injuries, and I, clearly that affected him. Uh, I, had a, I had a lot of people be like, ah, this is who he is, right? He's never been a good shooter in the NBA. This is who he is. That Last year's a fluke. I don't believe that for a second. Uh, I think he's a darn good shooter. Uh, I think he's got to do some work this offseason to get back to his, his fundamentals a little bit on, you know, just making the, the open, easy ones. Uh, strangely enough, like, I have more faith, I think, in him than I do in Hami in being, like, a long-term contributor. 
<laughs> you love Frank Jackson. We know it. I just like, first of all, he can shoot. He has shooting gravity, even though he's not, like, his career averages aren't great. Like, nobody sags off Frank Jackson. They close out hard. I also think, like, he's not a good defender, but he also, like, isn't a gambler. Like, he's a bad defender that gets caught on screens within the scheme, right? Like, he's not a guy that's shooting gaps. Like, like Hamadou's, the issue I have is, like, when he's bad, he's given up a, uh, a touchdown, right? It's It's a bad, bad play. When Frank screws up, like, the center has to like help a little extra hard and maybe you give something up, but like the, the scale of the issue is not as bad, but like with Frank, I think it's just like, I can, I can keep him around as my 10th man and be totally happy with knowing that like he, he'll scale just fine. If I need him to be my seventh man, if I need him to start, like he can probably survive and, like, I never really have to worry about how many touches or what those touches are. Frank's just going to do Frank's stuff, and most of the time, Frank's stuff's positive. I don't know. For me, Frank is just too streaky of a shooter. And I feel like he has those games that I think stick out in people's mind where he hits four or five threes, and then he doesn't do that for, like, another week or two. And then he has that game, and it just, it's something that sticks out. And while that's a, that, having a guy like that is still good for a roster, I just... That concerns me when that is what he's getting paid for. Although he's not getting paid a whole lot. So, do you expect them to re- to uh, keep pick up his team option for $3 million this offseason? I, th- I think so. I, you'd, I think so as well. You would need, like, like he's an obvious choice for, like, okay, the roster, we've, we've filled it in a trade, right? Like, we got a lot of pieces back in a trade or something, and we need spots. But, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think he's back. Um, yeah. All right, and for me, I, I think we're on the same page. Like, if, if you're going to be back, it ha- you have to be shooting better. You do have to fix whatever it is that's, like, hurt your shot this year. You have to be better. Um, but anyway, let's move on <coughs> to the next man on the list, Kelly Olenek. One year guaranteed, one more year partially guaranteed left on his deal. 40 games played, 764 minutes, 9.1 points, 4.4 rebounds, 2.8 assists. Uh, 0.8 steals, 0.5 blocks, 1.5 turnovers, 53-34-78 splits. Go. That was not good, Kelly. (laughs) This was not a year for Kelly. I think, you know, last year he came on with that Houston team and played some pretty good basketball down the stretch. And, you know, he got a lot of the offensive load, probably more than he should have gotten when he was in Houston. It's not... It was not good. Like, I... You, you could see what Mason Plumley was, you know, not successful at in Charlotte, but at the same time, he also still had some good points. For me, it was kind of a one-for-one swap between Plumley to Kelly, and I'm not, I don't want this to be <laughs> this long of a deal. I don't want to be paying Kelly guaranteed money, even though partially in his third year. So, i still not happy with Kelly. It's... <laughs> So like for me like this this clearly didn't go the way they wanted right like the the um the minutes right the the injuries is, is really bad yeah on the other hand like you can see the framework the the shooting needs to be a little better but like fifty three percent thirty four seventy eight like if that thirty four is a thirty seven we're not talking about his efficiency. Right, like the way he shoots, the fact that like the fifty three seems a little low for a big man, but when you shoot a lot of threes, it's going to be a little lower. So like the three point shooting was not good, uh, 
But like for a guy with his career numbers, you think it can uptick if he's a little healthier longer. The the nine points, you know, four and a half rebounds, given the the minutes he plays, not terrible. You'd like maybe a little more forceful rebounding. I think the two point eight assists stands out quite a bit. Yeah. Like you really saw um you know, you saw the playmaking and like the, you you understood like, okay, here's what they can do with Kelly. Um in the lineup. So, like, I came away mostly just being like, I would like to see a year of this, like, when he's healthy. Um, like, he's paid more than I'd like, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll talk more, I think, more as, as free agency comes about, about, like, how the hell you resolve this big man rotation. But I think just in isolation, uh, like, this wasn't a good Kelly season, but I think it was a Kelly season that, like, you'd be interested in seeing the good version of this Kelly season. Right? That being like, said, he's 31 right now, or 30 right now, about to be 31. Like, he's not exactly getting any younger. I, But it, but it's and, not like he needs a skill improvement, right? It's not like, oh my god, you know, this dude can't do this thing. Like, the defense is going to suck. The defense is always going to suck. We knew it was going to suck. It's not why you brought him in. It's you know, what does he do offensively? If he's back to being efficient Kelly Olenek, that's your bench guy for another year, and then you either get rid of him on that partial guarantee or you trade him away, I think that's fine. Um, yeah. You know, I just, I think, like, this is kind of a lost year for Kelly Olenek, and it's unfortunate that we didn't, like, we never really got to see, like, the Kelly Olenek bench mob, like, running offense designed for Killian and Kelly together. Like we didn't get to see that experimentation happen. And that's a, a bigger loss than I think people might realize. Cause I think if we'd gone into next year with a playbook full of Killian and Kelly stuff, I think everybody would be happy with that. All right. I mean, yeah, I, I think the one good thing I like about Kelly's contract is that it is like that non-guaranteed year next off season. And maybe the Pistons move that for someone interesting. It's the only thing I got with Kelly at the moment. <laughs> Okay, Rodney Magruder, unrestricted free agent, 51 games played, 754 minutes, almost identical to Kelly. Uh, more games, but like almost identical minutes. 5.4 points, 2.2 rebounds, 0.9 assists, uh, 0.5 stocks, <laughs> 0.5 turnovers, 51-40, splits. Uh, Rodney Magruder is Rodney Magruder. I don't think we have to talk anything about this. Like If he comes back because they need another 14th man... To be a veteran, like there are worse choices, I guess. Yeah. Uh, again, you're on a minimum deal. Like I'm not paying Rodney Magruder anything other than the bare minimum, and he's the last signing I'm making after everything else. Uh, I don't and think maybe we... he has another good year, and we can try and get another bull bull for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't think anything else really needs to be said about Rodney Magruder. I think everybody knows who he is and what he does, and that's fine. All right. Yep. One of the one of the stickle, sticky ones here, Saban Lee, yep. one year guaranteed, one year team option, thirty seven games played, six hundred and four minutes, uh, finished second in G League MVP voting, five point six points, two point four <laughs> rebounds, two point nine assists, uh, one steal, point three blocks, one turnover, forty seven twenty three seventy nine splits. My big takeaway is that I just have like very little belief that Saban Lee is an NBA player right now. And I think yep. he should probably go to Spain. Which sucks, because, like you said, he was one of the top uh, G League players this year. He clearly has the talent there, but 
his skill set is something that there are so many guys in the NBA who can do that that it's just it's not relevant. I don't, it's not that I don't think that's true, actually. I don't think like the NBA does not have a lot of guys who can like touch their knee to the floor when they explode driving to the rim. Like not like there's only one ish Smith, right? <laughs> And Saban Lee's trying to be another Ish Smith. And, like, there's still only one Ish Smith because of how freaking nasty Ish Smith can be when he's on his game. But -hmm. the thing is, Saban, I think, um, I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but, like, he's learning bad habits right now in the G League because he's so much faster than everybody. And the G League is so unstructured. The Part of the problem the G League has is, like, yes, it's definitely a higher level of of talent than the the college game. Um but like the college game is very structured the college game is much harder to play in because the defense is so much easier in college you get to the g league anybody that can play defense in the g league is already in the nba right like you mm-hmm. part of the problem is he's learning that like i can make this pass in this window and like it's not there in the nba uh yeah. you know it's there in the g league and and it so like if the g league's athleticism can't scare him he needs structure that scares him and you're only going to find that really training overseas um yeah you know, I, I, I don't think he's learning the right lessons in the G League, unfortunately. Uh, so I think that, you know, he's got a year guaranteed, a year team option. I'm assuming he's going to be back. We don't have a loan system like soccer does. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like a year playing, like, second point guard for Real Madrid would just, like, be life-changing, I think, for Saban Lee. Um, like, if he's, if he's going to play next year, I don't care about the shot. I need way less dribbling into three people. Mm-hmm. I, I need I need him to be seeing the structure of the floor, making passes, uh, you know, find dribbling and, and finding pathing that makes sense at a much higher level. Uh, otherwise, he's going to win MVP of the G League and still not get on the floor. Yep. Yeah, I think it's the system turnover ratio going down year over year is a pretty good indication of kind of where the regression has happened, and I feel like you cover that uh, perfectly. So uh, we can <laughs> I think we talked with that at length. We got a fun guy coming up next. Read him off. Tell me about him. Read him off. So, the next guy who I'm sure lots of people have been like, "Where is this guy in this list?" is Marvin Bagley the third. So Marvin, and these are the stats since coming over to the Pistons, correct? Yes, this is just his uh, 18 games with the Pistons. Yep. So he played in 18 games, started in eight of those, finished with 490 minutes. Um, his splits were 14.6 points. 6.8 boards, 1.1 assists, with 0.7 steals and 0.4 blocks. He averaged a turnover a game on 62-23-59 shooting splits. Yeah. Do you want to, Do you want to lead it off? Because I know you love to talk. Love to talk, Marvin Bagley. Well, we've we've talked about this before. I've got questions about what the heck happens like moving forwards because there's just like so much confusion about the the center room. Uh, but like he's really fun. And yep. uh, you go jump ha- jump. Yeah, having a jumpy jump guy is good. Turns out we were all right. Uh, all of us, all of us said that last year. And like, maybe the biggest takeaway is that Troy Weaver should listen to Twitter more. I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's the, a slippery slope. <laughs> the fact that we got through all of free agency without a guy that could do anything close to what Marvin Bagley does is just like shocking. Uh, you know, it was more a reflection on like. Uh, Killian and Cade, what he did when he got here. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just like jumpy jump good. Uh, next year, I hope to see him like fix the free throw shooting. I need him 
Like I, I'm, I thought he was okay in switching on defense sometimes. Uh, he's terrible in the drop. I just like I have no faith that he's going to get better defensively. So, if you're going to be an offense only guy, uh, <laughs> I don't care about the shooting from three so much. Yeah, uh, I need you pressuring the rim, but you have to be like seventy five percent from free throw because you you have to be just like an excruciatingly efficient offensive weapon to be worth yep. playing. Yep, Marvin. When he gets the ball, he needs to be getting buckets and. If he gets fouled, then needs to make the free throws. If he, you know, shoots less than, I think he's at like 50-something percent right now. If he shoots there, people are just going to foul him and just not let him get to his spots or just play him that much harder because they know he's not going to get the buckets in the line. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to you wanna see from Marvin I mean, Bagley? As a whole, it's, it's really going to depend on what this, you know, free agency brings. There's a lot of questions at kind of the center position, and we both talked about um, if we if we want Marvin Bagley to succeed on the Pistons, we want to see him succeed as a center. And there's a lot of question marks right there right now. So just curious to see how the soft season goes before I can really say too much more on that. But I I want Marvin Bagley to be a Piston. I just want it to be for the right price. Yes, and that is important. Depending on who else is available. All right, let's quick hit Luca Garza. Uh, he's got a, a team option for next year. Thirty-two games played, three hundred and eighty-nine minutes, five point eight points, three point one rebounds, point six assists, point three steals, point two blocks, point six turnovers, fifty-one thirty-three, sixty-two splits. Uh, just nowhere near efficient enough for what he needs to be. Can't play defense. Uh, just like the the takeaway, unfortunately, is that you just don't see it. Yeah, I hate to say it, but. Since we already have our, I believe, well, we got at least one of our two-way spots signed. I don't expect us to pick up the team option. And for Luca, at best for him, I could see us putting him on a two-way two-way deal for a year because this is not there. It's, yeah, it's not I, it. this this is one where uh, again you hate to be mean, but like if you bring him back, I can't trust your evaluation. I just I don't know what you see that was even remotely promising from this stint. Uh, every time he was on the floor, he was getting his ass kicked. Uh, the efficiency is not good. He didn't even look like that great in the G League. Um, you know, it's very clear that he doesn't really know how to play with the the lane rules the way they are. The three second rule, just like there's just so many problems. And there are so many big men that rotate into the league every year. Uh, Luke can, can go overseas and have a very successful career. There's just, there's no point to bringing him back. I don't think it's good for him. I don't think it's good for the Pistons. And frankly, if he's on the team next year, I just think that reflects really badly on your player evaluation and team building process. Because you, you've, you've already spent this year, and we talked about it with Bagley. That was the roster spot that should have been a jump-to-jump guy. You gave him mm-hmm. a, an actual deal. That wasn't even a two-way deal. You gave him an actual deal uh, and didn't get jack shit out of it. Uh, and I think it actively hurt your your guards. So I need that to not happen again. Let's just hope that his last game as a Piston was him putting up 20 and 10. And call it a day. Yeah. All right. More favorable pick. Uh, Isaiah Livers. One-year guaranteed. One-year team option. 19 games, 383 minutes. Uh, I think it's telling that he has basically the same amount of minutes in Luka Garza, as Luka Garza in half the games. 
6.4 points, 3 rebounds, 1.1 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.4 blocks, 0.8 turnovers, uh, 54, 42, 86 splits. Give me your big takeaway about Isaiah Livers. We got a steal. We got a second-round pick that is going to be playing in the league for a long time. Like, he is going to be on a roster uh, moving forward. And we got him on a deal for next year as well as the team option the year after. I'm very happy with what we've got. I think he can be a rotation guy. I know you can talk about it for you know days on end, but uh, just amazing shooting splits and what he brings defensively is damn impressive. And yeah, I'm ecstatic for that pick. I'm happy to see, hopefully he can just stay healthy, not run into the, kind of the same issues I know he's had um, you know, in his college career and so far in, in this year. So obviously I see a little bit more out of it, but I'm confident in what he can bring to the Pistons. And I hope that he has a spot in the rotation for next year. Yeah, it's weird. He's just had a lot of bad luck, I think, recovering from basically the same injury. Um, but yeah, I think the big takeaway is like he, he's, he, unlike the other two guys we just talked about, right, Livers has it, whatever it is. You know, just the level of execution to be an NBA player. Uh, he's figured it out. He's processing the game at, at the right way. Um, you know, still plenty of mistakes being made, but like I'm excited to see him in Summer League. I'm excited to see him next year. I'm excited to see... You know, him get, you know, he got 390 minutes this year, uh, 383, excuse me, this year. Uh, it's very important difference of seven minutes. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm excited to see what happens when he gets 700 over the course of a season and just like where that leaves him. Uh, I think, I think he's an NBA player and that's, that's really fun. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, if you'd asked me like before the season, what does Isaiah Livers have to do to, to improve, what does he have to fix in his game to be an NBA player? I would have told you, like, I need to see, like, one more dribble out of him. But he's already pushing that envelope this year. Uh, so I just need that to, like, continue. I just need to keep seeing these one thing more that he did compared to Michigan. Because uh, in Michigan, he was he was a pretty limited player. Really good at what he did, but, like, he did not push the envelope at all. Uh, and he's already started to do that. We saw a baseline drive hammer pass from him to finish the season. Like, that was never a thing that <laughs> Michigan Livers did. So, uh, just interested to see where that goes. A um, couple of quick names here to end the end the season. Uh, Braxton Key, NBA player, yes or no? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who he is. How many minutes of Braxton Key did you actually watch? Zero. <laughs> okay. I thought he actually looked kind of like an NBA player. Uh, not an NBA player I care to have on my team right now, but like definitely a guy I'm giving summer league time to, and definitely a guy I'm giving like preferred G League minutes to. Um, Jamorco Pickett could be. <laughs> I like my Georgetown guys. I don't know what um, he is at the moment. I think his two-way contract ends this year, and it hasn't been extended as I've heard yet. So he, I would. I would take a gander and say he's probably not going to be a Detroit Piston player next year, on a, especially on a regular deal, but even on a two-way, since we already have one of those taken up. And I, Do we have two second-round picks this year? One, I we think. We just have one. Yeah. We have Brooklyn's pick. Um, Correct. But regardless, I don't fully expect him to be back. Uh, but if he does, I like my Georgetown player, so that's all I got to say there. All right, Carson Edwards. Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> Same, yeah. <laughs> I think we Carson talked about Edwards it earlier. Carson Edwards has this like crazy bow-leggedness when he shoots. 
uh, it's like even more disorienting than watching. Uh, oh my god, his name just escaped me. Uh, the MSU guard from the last couple of years, Cassius you Winston. Skip. Like Cassius what? Winston, Cassius Winston Cash- doing oh. that thing where like he pulled his heels up and like clicked his heels every shot like under his butt was hilarious to me. But like he shot the shit off the ball and like Carson Edwards, like his his knees like splay so far out. He's so bow legged when he shoots. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just crazy to me. So that's that's the roster. That's all the players that are still like under pseudo contract this year. Uh, we'll do I think a wrap up for for Dwayne Casey maybe uh, and give him his own like half hour segment because I think we've got a lot to talk about uh, in the future. Oh, yeah. Do you still want to do a draft dialogue today? I how do. Much, but how much energy well, do you have? I, I have enough to do a quick one. I do have a quick funny thing that I found before this, which was when I was in Isaiah Livers' uh, NBA thing, somehow, I don't, I still don't quite know how I did this, I ended up um, on a list of NBA and ABA players born in Michigan. Can you name the top three scorers in NBA, ABA history that are born in Michigan? Top three scorers? The most points. No, <laughs> I can't. I'm not good at this. Not even remotely. There are so many players and so many like musicians, like because I'm not a Detroiter, right? Like I don't. These aren't like my legends. Like every now and then, my brain's like Marvin Gaye was in Detroit, and like that's just a thing. Like I'm not tied to it the way that like people are, and like nobody from my school has ever made it. Right, nobody from my high school has like ever made it. I, we had a like a lineman that went to Michigan once, and that was like the biggest deal. So like, no, I have no freaking clue. <laughs> I mean, I will say one is a Michigan State legend, one is a Michigan legend, the other one is a oh, so legend. it's gonna be Magic, Magic Johnson, yeah, yep. and then Jalen Rose. Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson is number two. Jalen Rose is number eight. Uh, Michigan legends. Uh, so is it? Jo- no, Jawan's a Chicago guy. Uh, uh, ba 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 Is it's Weber? Yeah, it's Weber. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, Weber. <laughs> That's like you're uh, in the right ballpark. I can never remember which one's the Chicago guy and which one's not. Three, I, I would give me the hint on three. So number three, he didn't go to Michigan. He didn't go to Michigan State. He went to Eastern S- Michigan. Oh, Iceman! There you go. There it is. You Shout got out to it. Brendan Quinn for doing an Iceman. Uh, article at the athletic yeah. this year it was very good uh, i was, I was I, very the Iceman remains see. the coldest dude possible <laughs> yeah just just beyond cool i was shocked to see he's nearly ten thousand points ahead of magic and weber yes that's yeah. I, I i i'm not to you know, talk Iceman down at all but i was just like wow he that's yeah. <laughs> that's impressive george gervin got buckets buckets he ain't playing no yep. defense, but George Gervin got buckets, buckets. <laughs> he did. All right, real quick, we're going to go through the prospect of the week. This one is your boy. I know you've been wanting to talk about this. Tara Eason. Tell me about him. Uh, so, one of those players where it's really hard to figure out where the hell to start. <laughs> because uh, just like the absolute most chaos agent possible guy that's that's where you have to start so like a power forward ish six eight maybe 
215 maybe he's one of those guys where like he could come out of the combine and measure just about anything and i'd be like sure yeah but i believe that uh like if they tell me he's 610 225 i'd be like sure if you tell me he's 67 and 205 i'd be like fine uh just like one of those frames that's like so lanky you're not like it's hard to tell uh yep an important thing for tari is he's 21 uh on draft day so he is an older prospect uh, this is his sophomore year at LSU. Uh, came out of Cincinnati. Um, he played last year. So, just like one of the ultimate box score stuffer guys, box stat stuffer guys. Um, you know, 36% from three on like just enough volume that, like, yeah, you believe it kind of as being a three point shooter. 52% from the field, uh, 80% from the line, which really helps bolster that three point shooting faith a little bit. Um, 6.7 rebounds, one assist, one block, two steals, two turnovers, three fouls. Like, two stocks a game, three stocks a game, excuse me, is just like insane stock generation number. This is a dude, you're going to put him on the floor, and he's going to do Hamadou Diallo stuff, where he just like goes after everything. Uh, a little more stable than Hami. Like, a li- uh, <laughs> Hami is like the ultimate extreme of gambling. Uh, but, like, Tari is not your stay-at-home defender. Like, that's just not who he is. He is a chaos agent. He's a transition monster. Uh, he's he's very right-handed, which is a, a common critique. Um, but, like, this is just a dude you're hoping will be, like, the kind of wing you can put out and just, like, be your point-of-attack, like, attacker on opposing wings. Right? You have, you, you just leave Sadiq in one corner and you're just, asking Tari Eason to like just assault LeBron James or whoever it is and you know like probably pick up four fouls in 18 minutes but like probably cause a lot of chaos and piss the hell off the guy while he's doing it and like hopefully by the time he's 26 he's figured it all out and he's become you know whatever that archetype is the kind of sort of Pascal Siakami thing whatever that is you know Pascal is the obvious like comp that just like really shouldn't be made, but we don't have a better comp. Um, when I watch him, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from the brief bit that I've seen of him, would Obi Toppin be a good comparison? Oh, by the way, he came off the bench because Will Wade is fucking weird. Uh, goodbye, <laughs> well, Will no Wade. There, so. Do not miss you. Uh, <laughs> came off the bench. Him and uh, uh, a guy named named Fudge uh, came off the bench. <laughs> And Fudge is like the the Chris Boucher to Tari Eason's Pascal Siakam, and like why you would ever bring both of them off the bench is just so beyond me. But um, sorry, it's not Fudge. Uh, Fudge, I got I got to do this. I got I got to check. You got to get uh, this right. We're ninety minutes into the podcast. There is absolutely a there's absolutely a Fudge on this team. Uh, no, it is okay. It's Alex Fudge. It's Darius Days is the other forward that I was thinking of. They all have names, okay? They, they've all got names. Yep. Sometimes they're hard to remember. Uh, it doesn't matter. Darius okay, Days so is a funny dude. Six so seven two forty five. Comparison to continue to push your Toronto Raptors themed comparison. Uh, which what was your comparison? Sorry, Obi Toppin. No. So Easton yeah. is like a monster, like lateral athlete, not okay. like a super slidey guy, but like slippery, right? Yeah. Like not not a not a guy who like slides laterally. Um, but a guy like, he doesn't have like good screen navigation. 
he has chaotic screen navigation. He gets around screens, and you're kind of like, all right, that's that was a plan. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it was. I don't know what you thought you were doing when you started, but like that was a plan. Um, like he's just, he's a hard one to come. There's like it's almost kind of like a Kaminga thing. Like yeah. you you have this tall forward who's bouncy, who has all sorts of skills, and none of them are refined, and you don't really know what they are. Now he's 21. Uh, which like, so there's a little less faith that he'll grow out of it. Um, but like, he's just really fun. And especially if you, if you're the Pistons and you're looking at a second pick, uh, you know, he's the guy that like comes off the bench alongside Hamadou Diallo. And like, you're running a Killian Hayes, Hamadou Diallo, Tari Eason, uh, Marvin Bagley, something lineup. And like, pure chaos <laughs> just just pure unadulterated chaos and and i think that would be really fun um not a guy i would i like if you're drafting him at seven i'm a little concerned if you're drafting him at 11 fun i will say tara's got a i'm reading his wikipedia page he's got some fucking wild shit going on here so <laughs> everything about this dude is chaos <laughs> everything his first two his first two years in high school, he played under Brandon Roy, who's obviously Trailblazers legend. Um, and then he transferred out, and then he came back for his senior year when Roy, Roy took like a year off and then came back. Um, you know why he took a year off, right? I do not know. He got know. shot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, we're learning everything today. I, for, I probably knew that and forgot it. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's Lots been a long couple here. years here. So he comes back. To obviously play with on Roy's team again, um, wins the state title, uh, beating Paolo Banchero in the process, and putting up twenty-one and fourteen against him to get the tournament MVP. <laughs> yeah, when when Tari is balling, like he looks like the absolute best baller on the planet. Like this, this is one of those things where, like, much like the Marvin Bagley's and the Hamadou Diallo's, I don't know if he's going to be a good basketball player, like a, a like a legitimate leads to winning basketball player. I do know he will fill the stat sheet with chaos. Yep. <laughs> and that's fun. That is fun. So, so where do you think he fits in with Detroit? Maybe alongside Hami? <laughs> like I said, <laughs> I think, I think he starts out as your bench guy and you're hoping you can rein in the chaos enough that he can be, you know, either you're starting four in certain lineups or, uh, you know, long-term be just kind of like the seventh man wing you're bringing out for 22 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. Is there a best fit? Right now he's currently mocked at 10th in Tankathon. Uh, now we still have the lottery to go. Is there a team that you'd like to see him on most in that range? And keep in mind, there is a correct answer. Uh, so that 10th fit is your Wizards. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure that they need him. Like They don't need him. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, the, sure. that's, the, that's the Denny... Uh, Rui zone of like you probably don't I mean, have he, minutes. He's literally him and Rui would overlap so much, but I, I just I just want to put out like a Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Denny, <laughs> <laughs> Rui, and Tari just monstrosity. So uh, the Portland fit would be pretty fun. Like that that yeah, right that around there at eleven with Portland makes a lot of sense. The Spurs fit is like. 
4D chess fun, <laughs> trying to figure out how, like, if Pop is still here, how Pop coaches him. Uh, Tankathon is currently mocking Johnny Davis to the Spurs, which is too accurate. That makes too much sense. <laughs> they, they've already got, like, the final draft already set with that one. <laughs> it's just like, when do we put the name in? Do we put the name in now, or do we have to wait till June to draft him? Um, yeah, it's it's going to be the pick where it's like no matter where the Spurs end up at the lottery, it's still going to be Johnny Davis. <laughs> yeah, like like Portland is too obvious a fit because you get to the Knicks, the Knicks don't have a spot for him. I don't think the Hawks have a great spot for him. The mm-hmm. Hornets, uh, if they let Miles Bridges go, which they Maybe. might because they're crazy. Now, <laughs> yeah. the Ball, Tar Eason shits cranking up there, and that's some chaos, and and some <laughs> more chaos. That's too much chaos. I don't I don't think we're ready for that. So. Yeah, Portland seems like the obvious one. Yeah, Portland my favorite. The Thunder, probably a little bit farther down, uh, would be an interesting one as well, I feel like. But anyone would be a fun fit on the Thunder, honestly. <laughs> need, so. need Tari Eason and Poku minutes together for maximum <laughs> chaos as well. And Giddy and SGA. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> this is a wild fucking team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, what uh, what what do you think is the path uh, to success for Tari Eason in the NBA? So, like I said, I think you start as a KS agent. You hope you're you're you hope you're a, a yep. wing defender moving forward. You hope that he can develop some like playmaking verve. He's got some of it to it, but if he can like really add, you know, get to like three assists a game, mm-hmm. like that really opens things up. Especially if he's in transition doing playmaking. So. Um, but yeah, he's going to get on the floor, I think, because of what he can do defensively to start with. Yep. And what do you think is kind of the thing that's holding him back uh, as he comes into the NBA? Chaos. <laughs> sometimes, Simple. As, sometimes as, as, it may be good, sometimes maybe yeah, shit. That's what I'm saying. said. That's not where you're going. <laughs> so, sometimes maybe shit. And, like, there's a chance that Tari is just, like, really not ready for this <laughs> yeah uh there, there, there might be a reason why he wasn't playing a whole lot at lsu and you know i don't know how you correct it if you just get yep. bad tari I, I don't know what the answer is sometimes it's just like ah well you weren't like there's there's like some kelly Oubre to it where it's like okay <laughs> we got the good <laughs> kelly this time <laughs> oh god yeah putting him in charlotte with kelly as well <laughs> uh all right any more questions you have for tari eason Nope, nothing more. I think All we've right. talked the chaos agent to death. I I think that uh, 140 minutes, or, or sorry, 140, an hour 40 is, is more than enough. So I think yep. we can leave it there. We'll be back maybe two weeks, probably, given given the, the way you quit out on me. <laughs> uh, we will see. Next next week is, uh, is birthday week, so hopefully uh-huh. I can find some time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I will uh, say, I'm not available the week after that, because I'm going to be on... Wait, nope. Is it the week after? Nope. Psych. Uh, two weeks <laughs> after that, I'm going to be on vacation. So Okay. Well, I'll the, be uh, on the pool, sipping a Mai Tai, relaxing. We, we've got a few uh, uh, Dwayne Casey in review uh, topics to cover and stuff, so we'll probably hit those next, as well as uh, you want to pick your prospect for, for next week, so I can actually prepare this time. You say this, and then every single week, like, <laughs> I say who I want, and you forget by the time we get around uh, here. You so, lie. You lie to yeah, me. Yeah, I right feel to like I've face. said for like the last three weeks who I want. You lied to me right to my face. Uh, do we? Ha- I know you want to do so, Shan. Do we have to do so? 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 I don't know how to. Sure. 
Or do you want to do Johnny Davis and just get it out of the way? Let's do Sochan. <laughs> okay. Because I am you much have more fun. in Jeremy Sochan than, than Johnny Davis. All right. So you, you can look forward to that whenever we drop next. We'll see yep. everybody later. Peace. Bye-bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.